hello, freaks, and welcome to Radical Research. Okay, what you just heard was real uh it was humans playing music um <laughs> if you have high blood pressure believe, believe it or not if you have high blood pressure stay away from the show this is radical research 73 and as promised and maybe as some of you have guessed uh this is the second installment of badass fusion decapitation show uh which was our fifth show about three and a half years ago uh took us was that 68 episodes to get to the second one so no i i think it bears to say like that we've actually been doing this that long three and a half years well i yeah, yeah like yeah. well i mean we're pushing four i think next spring will be four spring of 20 it will be 22 yeah next march will be four and you know it's funny because we as soon as we were done with episode five and and really enjoyed doing the the fusion decapitation show i remember saying you know yeah we're gonna continue that pretty you soon you know who, who who doesn't love a good decapitation especially by the uh, the hands of these folks these yeah, crazy, crazy guys in the 70s yeah. and boy there's a lot to say about that one we might as well introduce it uh think- do, do you do you think that there have been a lot of decapitation so boy there was a lot to be said about that one 
<laughs> goodness. Good, good, goodness. Look, look at that. Look at that head roll. Look at that blood spurting. Boy. Boy. Uh, boy. No, no, that, that, was a, that was a good one. That was a head roller. That was Mingo Lewis. <laughs> Mingo Lewis is a, uh, I guess we'll just call him a percussionist. He's got an interesting CV. Uh, he played with Santana and the Tubes and Al Demiola, amongst others. He released one and only one solo album in 1976 called Flight Never Ending. And he wrote about 90% of the material. Uh, what you just heard was a snippet from a song called Frankincense. And I have to thank Ken Golden for getting me and, and sort of by extension you then into this album because neither one of us knew it existed. It's super underappreciated. You look at uh, Prague Archives, there's three reviews on it. Why are there not hundreds? It's, it's, a, it's an utterly fantastic album. And Ken Golden turned me on to it last summer when I was at his house. I believe it was my first uh, foray outside of the county, you know, in the COVID times. And uh, yeah, this, uh, of all the things he played me and, and I, the things I bought after that visit, this was probably the most enduring and the most mind-blowing one, this Flight Never Ending album. Uh, I turned you onto it pretty quickly. And, uh, I, you know, it's kind of tailor-made for you because you love badass, like really intense. Well, music. you know, I, I had known his name for years. Sure. And yeah. for some reason, just never ventured into it. But like, if you love the most like mind-blowing you know dramatic mars volta moments mm, mm, mm. check it out yeah i, I mean that's that's a that's, that's a good comparison i hear yeah i remember when we discovered this we talked about you know the intensity of bedlam and goliath yeah, they, like exactly and how this kind of had to have known it had yeah. to love it yeah omar had to have known mingo lewis yeah, totally and it's funny because it, I'd say, you know, good 85% of the album is like on that intensity level that we just yeah, heard. No, no, it's it, it, it really it like, again, like what you said about, you know, blood pressure. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. I mean, it's it's just maddening. Yeah. Mingo. Like, it's just like it's like, yeah, like Coke fusion. T totally totally and yeah you know 76 it's coming out of uh california yeah, perhaps. Yeah, yeah, maybe <laughs> like yeah you know perhaps mingo plays badass congas all over that thing as as you heard he also does hand percussion through the album some synths and th this is the the another fascinating facet of this album when i got into it i thought oh my god these these the players are incredible. The bassist, the drummer, both synth players, the, the guitarist, like every man is just fantastic. And they're slaying throughout this album. And I looked them up. I'm like, well, I got to kind of check out what they've done. And if there's anything along this line, yes. you know, knowing this yeah. was the only Mingo album, I was like, yeah, they, they have to have quite quite a, nope. um, a resume. Nothing. <laughs> yeah. You look up nope. these guys, David Lowe. No, they're like complete unknowns. They are. They don't have. It's amazing. Yeah, they don't have a, a long line of credits. Or they have amazing. No but, but here, I guess they made their mark. But, but you know yeah. what? We're going to make up for that later. Absolutely. Because uh, this is, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're going to we're going to play another one by me. We're going to we're going to we're going to have some dick swinging <laughs> coming on later. Yeah, for sure. So let's move on and knowing we're going to get more Mingo, but we, boy, we worship. And, and I, when we put this show together, there was not only no question he was going to be on it or they were going to be on it, but that we're going to do two tracks. Uh, <laughs> it's just special um, shout out to that great album and hopefully turn some people on to it. Please. Um, and, and, and frankly, guys, it's not expensive. Yeah. Buy it. 
Yeah. Uh, there you go. Please buy it. There you go. We're going to shift to uh, drummer Tony Williams. You selected this one. I'm, of course, I'm familiar with the yeah. Believe It, the Believe It album from 75. <laughs> what I didn't realize until recently was that this was done under the banner of the new Tony Williams lifetime. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know, so, the, uh, do you know the lineage yeah. of that? I do. Um, so the, the first Tony Williams lifetime was in 1969 and that was with, uh, John McLaughlin. Aha. Um, after he left Miles's band doing in a silent way, um, uh, this was with, uh, John McLaughlin. So th- there was a weird kind of wilderness period because of bad management, bad promotion, just weird label things. And then he came back onto the scene uh, with this album called Believe It um, with Alan Holdsworth. Yep. And there was another period right after this because this was a commercial failure as well until he kind of took up the jazz metal again. Um, but I, th- th- for me as a drummer, this is like the, this is my favorite Tony Williams aside from like Nefertiti. Fantastic. And do you know yeah. the, uh, the song we're going to play a snippet from is called Fred, Fred. <laughs> it's a funny title. Do you know, uh, what the origin of that is? Nope. You don't know who Fred is. Okay. Well, we'll just say, we'll just is. say, Fl- we'll just say Flintstone. You know? but why don't we? Okay, this is a this is a bit from Fred from uh, 1975's Believe It uh, Holdsworth on guitar. That's also quite remarkable.
Mm-mm-mm. Mm. Hot. <laughs> Blazing. Holdsworth is a is a crazy man. I mean, he's just nuts. Yeah, he is. And this is what? What what, what, what you, this is mid 75. Yeah. I mean, who who's yeah. I mean, between besides him and John McLaughlin, who you mentioned earlier, who's playing like that? I mean, it, well, no one. And yeah, you know, Tony Williams actually had some qualms with the way that he played. <laughs> well, he, this was, yeah, this he, not- like so. Um, so Williams loved playing with McLaughlin. Mm. And he was saying that his style was more percussive and more sympathetic. And he would just kind of lay in. And he was like, you know, once you let Holesworth go, it didn't matter. He was just gone. Well, that was the complaint. I don't know if that's a complaint, but um, that was the issue with Holesworth in UK because he didn't appear on the second UK album because he would never play the same solo uh, (laughs) twice. They wanted him when they. How, How is that a problem? When, well, when they went to do live work, they were like, well, we'd like you to recreate, you know, the, the, the solos. And he was like, no, I don't. It's not how I do it. Um, it's, not, it's not what I know. do. It, it isn't what he does. And, and yeah. you know, he, he went off and, and was solo. He was destined to be solo. And it's amazing he was ever in any bands. But uh, I, I don't I don't know if Tony Williams experienced that exact thing. But but well, yeah. I mean, in, it, it wasn't that it was. I mean, because, you know, I mean, Tony Williams is a jazz drummer. So every night things are changing. Sure. But he just said that like Alan Holsworth was like utterly unsympathetic to whatever vibe was going on. Ah, okay. Like he okay. just he just did whatever. Yeah, I mean he just did his shit. I, again, I think that I think it was probably so, he, he was destined to be solo. I, it just, you know. <laughs> yeah. He didn't play well with the other kids in the playground. Um Although he played well. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, obviously he played yeah. well. So. Man, great. And I also love the uh, the snare sound on this album. That's oh, just, it's just love, God, cracking, it's cracking, but not, but not too um, intense. It doesn't hurt, but it's, it's, it's a thwap, man. <laughs> uh, That's amazing. Re- recorded really well. 1975, uh, we're going to jump to Secret Oyster from denmark this is a band that i found out about many years ago through ken golden his name will probably Mm -hmm. come up a few times on this show but uh ken put out the band's four albums reissued them on cd uh the band put out four albums excellent albums in the early to mid 70s and ken's laser's edge label put those out that's when i found out about them and uh been been a fan ever since I hear a few links to Dutch band Finch, who we featured in the first Fusion Decapitations episode, it, just in the sense that they're not maybe um, textbook definition fusion, but they're radical research fusion in that they they come from yeah. a rock they f- come from a prog rock background and they can play and they they get pretty intense and that's kind of the qualification for uh, these episodes. The Secret Oyster Cult, we'll call them. This is. Uh, so- <laughs> <laughs> this is a song called Astarte from Vidunderliga uh, Kaling, which uh, I believe uh, is translated to something like sensational bitch. No, I don't know what a secret oyster is, but um, here they are.
it's a secret oyster from Denmark. Um, and like, I have a weird kind of relationship with this band because we, my band, Canvas Alaris, signed with uh, Ken's label about the same time that he reissued these. Oh, that's right. Um, and so, you know, I like technical music. As you as you may as you may have known. Uh, and I like fusion and I like decapitations. Love decapitations. Love that. Love that shit. I love seeing love seeing heads roll. So did, did head did the heads roll there for you? Heads roll there. And you know what's funny about that one? Sitar. Yeah. It is. It well, wasn't yeah, you know what, but that was a fairly common device back then. Um, and, and that may have been a coral sitar. Ah, okay. Yeah. Um, uh, and, and the, like the, uh, the intonation seems too precise to me to be like an actual sitar. Okay. That, and that's so, a great observation because I was going to say it, it, it's got to be very hard to play a sitar in a, a yeah, no, in, I, I, intense I don't, jazz I, rock band. Yeah. I don't, I don't, yeah. I don't think that was an actual star. So yeah. It, 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 anyway, burning, yeah. amazing, buy those albums yeah i don't have a favorite i all four of those are really good i, I you yeah know. They, they they are a remarkably consistent band yeah yeah and i you know i and who doesn't love a secret oyster i mean i this is my favorite kind of i, I like i like them fried i mean i do not like a, an obvious oyster secret oyster on the half shell yeah 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 obvious oyster yeah exactly the, right yeah the, right. the fuck your fuck your conspicuous oyster you get a plate of fried oysters yeah, in a restaurant yeah. you, you're like these these are good but they're just too obvious send yeah, them it's back. just like yeah, dude, fuck this send shit. them back send them back i give me some secret yeah oysters. i want i want some secret one i want i want a dozen secret oysters <laughs> okay <laughs> <laughs> moving along jean-luc ponty uh oh oh oh, oh. Yeah, yeah, that sounds sexy. He released a shitload of albums, uh, a bunch of them in the 70s, <laughs> this kind of prime area for fusion. Started as a, just maybe a more traditional jazz player, uh, always always really energetic, always kind of cutting edge. Uh, early on, got involved with Zappa. And, you know, if you go through Zappa's mill, you have chops, uh, f- fair to say. Probably, probably the most obvious thing ever said. And I'm being no, it's like li- literally it's like Zappa and Steely Dan that th- those are the the chop shops. Exactly. Yeah. Like you, yeah. G- you get in one of those bands like you're you're elite. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Except and- that Zappa actually made good music. Ooh, I would have to agree with you. I, neither one of us are big fans of Steely Dan, but I think we also have this very healthy respect uh, for them. Apologies to Tom Haley. We Apologies to Tom on. Haley. Yes. But John Luke came through that whole thing and did some great stuff in the seventies. I'm a fan of quite a few of those albums. This one is just the most badass fusion that I think he committed to album. There are, there are some other candidates, but um, this one is from the 1978 album. Cosmic messenger has Ralph Armstrong on bass, super badass bass player, Alan Zavod on keyboards. And uh, of course, Ponty and a few other people. Check this out if your head's not already rolling and you're not already spurting blood.
let let me let me shout out <laughs> i i gail perlo jason walton jeff wagner my four stringers <laughs> all right my my low-end brothers yeah well we we all got to be bowing down to ralph armstrong is is where you're going with this because please <laughs> please that that boy dude <laughs> such badass stuff yeah yeah and percy oh yeah percy from brand x we fe- featured them yep. on episode five didn't we yeah dude yeah b- b- bass players are a criminally neglected class among bands true although if you're in any kind of fusion band jazz rock band of this type that fair enough yeah that we're yeah. that we're featuring every one of you has to be top of your game yeah uh, but also fuck marcus miller fuck john Petitucci. <laughs> i go i go on record wow fuck that shit all right all right uh, I'll, to- I'll, I'll 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 go farther but we're we're just not going to do that tonight. We don't have time. Do you want to do you want to explain a little bit? Tasteless, tasteless, interesting. Yeah, okay. you're slapping okay. yeah. your like your fluffy shirts. <laughs> this is the anti-fluffy shirt fusion that we're talking about right here. Fuck your fluffy shirts <laughs> and your bullshit, son. The only basis that can wear a fluffy shirt, in my estimation, is Martin Ain from Frost. So good on him. Yes. Hell for rock, yeah. For rocking that. Martin Ain is the only fluffy shirt wearing motherfucker that <laughs> radical research endorses. <laughs> and Jerry Seinfeld. And Jerry Seinfeld. <laughs> Jerry Seinfeld don't play bass. Remember that's well, that's true. But he did wear a puffy yeah. shirt once. Pirate shirt <laughs> Anyway, yeah. Got, uh, pirate shirt wearing motherfucker. Before we get into that. Yeah. Um All right. let's move on, man. Speaking of guys that are completely at the top of the game, we have not only Chick Korea, who is, of course, the featured artist here, but Steve Gadd on drums. This is from, this is from the Leprechaun album, uh, Night Sprite. Mm. This one was your choice. Probably would have been mine. So, I, you know, so Steve Gadd was, if I can get all evangelical here. Oh, go um, Steve Gadd's one of my, one of the guys that really got me serious about the drums. And I really think that his best work you know my favorite work for steve gadd was with chicoria okay um it was just kind of a match made in heaven and it wasn't just this record but it was um the 1982 acoustic date uh three quartets was completely amazing record probably chick's best um acoustic record aside Mm. from now he sings which I believe was recorded in 1967 with Roy Haynes. Okay. Um, but, you know, Steve Gadd was, was a session guy. So, you know, like, you know, part and parcel of being a session guy, you know, you, you kiss a lot of toads. So he, he guy had to work. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but occasionally he, you know, he wound up in a session that uh, gave, you know, full expression to his genius. It's one of them. Um, this like completely inspired, and and Chick Corea even said too that Steve Gadd was probably his most inspired 
uh, collaborator. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, you hear so, it. Yeah. You hear it throughout the leprechaun. No, no, you question. do. I mean, you like, you just hear the energy of these guys playing off of each other. Yeah. All so, right. Let's listen. Let's do it. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Um, I remember, yeah. I remember this happening when we did the, uh, the first fusion episode, episode five, uh, we, we would listen and we would just be laughing through half of these tracks because it's just so <laughs> absurd. The, the, the playing level is so absurd. The intensity is so absurd. It's just, wow. Yeah. And all that like flangy bass in the Mac background of that yeah. one and, and gad all over the place and Korea just fucking exploding. It's Jesus. Wow. Yep. Face melting face melting did didn't there you go didn't steve gad have some sort of like thing i don't know if this was in this era or if this was just a short period of time for him but he he wanted like the deadest sound on his drums or something yeah no 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 what's the deal there what is that yeah he um so he was in a band called uh steps with uh mike minary um that was like so he just got really really into like this deep groove thing and yeah he like he wanted no tone out of his drums (laughs) and it's just pure like gut bucket 
just you know just deep groove primal kind of a sound okay as if what if you uh i I know that you've mentioned the groove thing but uh and and the primal thing but like was it more like if you can't deliver with just like a a really dead drum sound you you know it's you're not worthy no i I don't think there was any kind of like philosophical framework behind okay Okay. like i just think that's what he wanted to hear yeah oh fair enough yeah okay uh the other thing, and we've talked about this, I think, on some other episodes here and there, but um, I think one sort of frustrating thing about guys like Steve Gadd or Vinny Kalayuda definitely qualifies for me. And this this really mm. just goes along the lines of personal taste, but these amazing session guys who just aren't on a lot of stuff that we love, you know, because as you said, they, well, they have to make a living. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and that's frustrating. So it's like um, anything that those guys are, are on that I would have a chance of liking, I'll, I will always. <laughs> go for it and uh, hope to acquire the taste if it's not instant, you know? It's a uh, very rare thing. It, w- it was a very kind of a disillusioning thing for me when I really started getting serious about my instrument and started studying. Like, I had a hard time, like, finding records <laughs> that any of these guys were on that I liked. That you actually wanted to listen to, yeah. Yeah, it was like I would just rather listen to, you know, Rick Kalaluka or Steve Shelton. Sure, right, 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 right. <laughs> it's like, like, you know, I mean, it's kind of a bummer. It's like, but you know, like when yeah. this is what you do for a living, right? You know what's funny about the guys you mentioned? I think they have like three albums between them. <laughs> so maybe not, maybe not the most prolific. Yeah, well, of metal I mean, but, you know, they're, they're like selling real estate or like, you know, I don't like, or insurance or something like, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. But they're on albums that you've listened to how many times, you know? Like, yeah. But it's like, I'm not going to listen to a David Sanborn record with Steve Gadd on it. Right. You know, it's like my life is too short. <laughs> I, I mean, like I listened, you know, I, how many times have I listened to like, you know, November coming fire? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, and the, not, the exact- not, not great drumming. Like, I don't listen to records for good drumming. No, of course not. Yeah, no, I get it. I get it. I get it. Um, <laughs> right on. Um, let's move on. This is. um this is a band called Kron, K-R-A-A-N, who grew out of the whole so-called Krautrock uh, scene. And they weren't really jazz rock at first. They were kind of typical um, psychedelic, experimental German prog rock when they started. And by the mid to late 70s, they became a really, really hot jazz rock band. I- I'm probably more into that era of them than the first couple albums. Again, could be a taste thing, but man, they're they're pretty fantastic. And we're going to listen to something from uh, an album called Tournée from 1980, which is a live album, uh, and you know that features a lot of their late 70s work live, and it's killer. Bassist Helmut Hotler is uh, notable, great style, um, really kept the band together through all their different um, uh, evolutions. And uh, yeah, we're going to check it out. This is called Borgward from Tournée 1980. So like a sausage. Is that what that is that what it is? Borgward? <laughs> you you just want everything to be a sausage. I I mean, yeah, I do. Okay. No in, right. no innuendo there. You just like food. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. 
You like that, Ken? I like it fine. <laughs> I, I believe in the, the middle of the, the listen we had there, you were just like, this is smoking. <laughs> Dude, who could deny that? Yeah, I mean, exactly, right? Um, very far away from their origins and really kind of what you might typify as, as quote unquote, kraut rock. Right. Um, you know, which is a much looser proposition than what we just heard. It um, is. Yeah. And, you know, I, you know, we both love the idea of kraut rock, but we're both also, you know, kind of terminally let down by kraut rock. Yeah. Yeah. It's the, been the, the hippy dippy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, it's been sort of disappointing for both of us when we've tried uh, some of the some of the big names in that world, like Khan. Uh, I'm not a big Guru Guru fan, although I've tried. Mm. Um, God, who are the others that have been disappointed by? Um, Amon Duel. Yeah, Amon Duel too. Just it's there's some there's some moments, but I find most of the you know even are... like that first Ashrock Temple record, like yeah. yeah, that one I don't know well, although that has been recommended to me. But still, you know, we have, you know, there are things like Eloy or this Kron or others who um, we no, do well, you could say, I mean, yeah, but that's that's not the Novalis. That's um, what I'm saying. Neusch those, Feinstein, Neusch Feinstein, I mean, those, it's not the same thing. Yeah, no, because those bands are more modeled on yeah, the British it's, it's symphonic the thing. Yeah. Symphonic prog rock style, which, you know, we really like and we really like what some of those 70s German bands did with that. And Kron, just for me, that was always a name I'd heard and always assumed I would like about as much as I like Guru Guru, which wasn't at all. And um, I shouldn't say at all. I mean, there's always something there I can get out of some of these bands, but I'm not not a huge fan. So when I first heard, when I heard Kron properly, again, thank you, Ken Golden. I was like, damn, that that's way up my alley. <laughs> like, that is not Ken, Ken, Ken Golden. I was like, damn, <laughs> no, no, nobody's ever said those words in the same <laughs> sentence well there you go look uh, look at that ass king golden <laughs> i said i said damn <laughs> i know he's listening to this one too he's got to be uh yeah fun stuff let's move on to uh another drummer focused album i love this one i've had it for years uh same with you i believe billy cobham mm. let's talk about yes, it yes sir yeah yeah so um yeah i'm billy cobham uh, an alumnus of Mahavishnu Orchestra, uh, Miles Davis's Fusion Period. Um, so this is from his first solo record, uh, Spectrum. Get it? Absol a, absolutely essential. Completely amazing. Yeah, if you're into the, you know, the more pyrotechnic kind of radical research fusion, absolutely essential. So we're going to play the whole song. Um, this is called Torian Matador. Three minutes of awesomeness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's go. Get you some. We'll 
Billy Cobham, Torian Matador. Uh, we have to address the incredible sort of trade-offs there between the keyboardist and guitarist. These are these are some good names here. Jan Hammer on keyboards, of course. Um, also, who's that? Uh, <laughs> uh, do you know Mahavishnu Orchestra? Uh, <laughs> and Tommy Boland on guitar. Who? Hey, is- let, let, you know what? Like another shout out. Yeah, Mike Gitter. Mike Gitter. Yep, that's an interesting shout out here. What's the what's, way, what's, what's the link? Mike Gitter is the reason that I even know about Mahavishnu Orchestra. Ah, okay. Uh, because it, he did. Do you remember the um, the Tower Records? Uh, magazine pulse yeah yeah so okay. he did a review of mind over fours halfway down oh, okay and he said that it had more to do with uh mahavishnu than it did with megadeth <laughs> interesting and that's how i even got to know mahavishnu yeah you're like mind over four megadeth uh i'm gonna go for this other m band yeah i did like i dude i didn't start listening to megadeth until like 1999 really no no really like it was it it was literally craig zoller that got me into megadeth okay well somebody had to do it geez i I suppose i I mean it it, it took a long time okay good Um, i was a i was a latecomer to thrash but anyway shout out mike getter son what up nice so yeah jan hammer trading off those Fucking crazy burning solos with Tommy Bolin. Tommy Bolin, a young kid Dude, from uh, from shit. Iowa, and yeah, he's an Iowa boy, uh, I believe, and um, just he is. slaying all over that stuff. And this is a uh, not too long after this, he went and joined Deep Purple for one album, yep. and then um, you know he enjoyed a little bit of a solo career, and then you know died obviously way before his time. But geez, you know his his legacies are sure just from just from that what we heard alone, much less anything else man. he's done. Yeah, that was incredible stuff. Oh um, yeah, boy, man, we're just we're just burning it down over here. Burn it, yeah. <laughs> there ain't, ain't gonna be nothing left after tonight. I'm not sure where I got the, the Brooklyn accent came in there, but um, <laughs> I'm sure it was a terrible Brooklyn accent. Ov, that, that, that was not a that was not a Brooklyn accent. Burning it down, Ov. Anyway, um. Let's move on. Yeah, we're- yeah, stick to Iowa, Jeff. <laughs> I know, right? Me, <laughs> me and Tommy. Um, <laughs> we're going to move to Japan. Kenzo, K-E-N-S-O, a band you and I have seen live. Um, kind of. Well, I did. You. <laughs> well, we, 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 we mentioned both, this before. We, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on. We both saw him. We've mentioned. Let's just. Let's just not get back into this. We've mentioned this on other episodes. We we saw them at the biggest festival in the (laughs) world. world. Okay. (laughs) So like, let's just leave it at that. A lot lot of things going on that weekend. You and I were um, staying at a bed and breakfast together (laughs) and were um, assumed to be together. Right. Um, You lost glasses. I lost glasses. We had, at, we had to the, go get the, those at the Belgian uh, beer bar. We, the Belgian beer bar, no ate, less. Yeah, we ate sausages with Matt Johnson. Um, I didn't. I was we still saw, vegetarian. We saw Prezant when half the room cleared, and anyway, it was a it was a very um, oh, I worked. Uh, so you worked King Golden's table. I worked Steve Feigenbaum's table. 
we're talking about I, I, by the way i just want to lay if you're telling the story this is a uh, near fest uh in, in bethlehem pennsylvania great great festival it I, was i, really I mean this. let's just say it was a very um eventful weekend yeah it was yeah it was There's a lot of things going on but there was so much going on that you basically couldn't take the greatness of kenzo i think that's basically how i could i could i could not <laughs> like was it i mean it was, it was like it was so intense that I, I just couldn't deal with it yeah it was just sensory overload at that point yeah um, so we, anyway yeah, yeah to um to reconcile that to to you know to make things right let us play a track from their second album yeah, this came out in 1982. The parentheses title is Toward the Land Beyond. Not going to buy. Well, I'll try. Harukanaru Kie. Uh, might be some kind of Japanese there. Um, deadly stuff. Let's check it out. love what happens at the end there so it sounds like it's melted yeah Yeah, yeah, exactly it just melts yeah like yeah like the like the dolly-esque melting clock yes nice one yeah that's great man i remember when we saw them just having the sense or at least my memory tells me that it just felt like an explosion of color and that's exactly how i hear their music i mean right right there it's it's very vibrant it's very colorful um, and I, th- I, I really think that this album is kind of the platonic ideal of uh, Kenzo. Oh, totally. I, I mean, of me. the, of the yeah. three albums I've heard, it's it's the best one. The first yeah. one kind of start. It, it's it's got an avant-garde prog kind of angular sense to yep. it. it. Hints at the fusion, and then two is where they really realize themselves. Great stuff. I, I and we hear 
basically vocals for the first time tonight uh obviously this this genre is not uh yeah the first and last time probably i think so but yeah fantastic stuff yeah we can't recommend kenzo enough stay away from this album called esoptron and um (laughs) it's um it's more (laughs) they just stripped down and and rock out but it's not good rocking out it's just Mm kind of limp have you heard that one yeah i had yeah i unfortunately bought it I did too, and I don't. I don't like it. Um, no, I don't either. Yeah. Uh, anyway, let's uh, let's exalt the good stuff. This and this is certainly. I it. keep my I keep my rock to uh, you know Billy Gibbons. Well, and and a few others, I think. But well, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Kenzo, Kenzo, Hank, yeah, Kenzo never Hank, and uh, yeah, hails to Hank von Helvita. Rest in <laughs> peace, my friend. There you go. Um, Let's move on to Spain, getting international here. Um, This this is a band called Iceberg, and they released five albums between 1975 and 1978. I confess, I don't know your history with this band other than Sentiments, but the Sentiments album is the only one I've ever heard. No, Ken actually got me to buy a couple of them. And Sentiments is far and away the best one. Okay. Okay. Are they still fusion on those other records or are they more? Oh yeah. Yeah. No, they're they're pretty much all fusion. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, Let's get into it. This is a song called Andalusia, Andalusia. Another Southern region of Spain. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Granada being the capital of Andalusia.
ripping guitar there, I, which I, I think has to be influenced by John McLaughlin. I mean, I, I, he was probably really a, a hero for a lot of these guys sure. back then. Uh, but, you know, certainly just the ripping fast fluidity, all the passion, all the fire. It's just it's all there. It's really great. But I, I, I love the saturation of the tone. And mm-hmm. like they clearly have a capacity for melodicism, too. Oh, yeah. Oh, no doubt. So, I mean, it's, no doubt. Just, it's, it's not just pyrotechnics. Like, it's a very accomplished band. Absolutely. No, that's, uh, that, that's an album that, that is, if you want sort of the span of what fusion can be, jazz rock can be, I think that's, that's a great example because it's not one thing. Uh, you know, that's something else to point out for people who might be listening that aren't familiar with some of this music is that we are very intentionally going for the jugular and picking out spots in all these uh, songs and, and, and albums uh, that are probably the most deadly in terms of intensity. Sure. That's, that's the whole idea. A lot of these albums have a bit more going on a bit more depth than what you're hearing, but this is the way we like to do it and, and attack you with it. <laughs> and man, um, you know, speaking of diversity, uh, nobody has probably released as many albums as this guy uh, of, of any artist we've ever covered. We're talking about Miles Davis, no intro necessary. <laughs> this is uh, this is a song called one and one from on the corner, which is. It's so, pretty- yeah. And, yeah. and this is also. Um, I think it should be noted um, from the the complete on the corner sessions. Okay, what's I mean? So what's the difference? Because I know that on the corner is a badass album. It's it's essentially the follow up to Bitches Brew. Yeah. Uh, so like yeah. So this is like part of the unedited. Like so before um, Teo Macero got a hold of it this is a part of that. Like it's, hmm. it's just part of the jam. Okay. Yeah. All and right. you know, it's like, you know, famously like bitches brew and this, and you know, the Jack Johnson sessions, get on up with it. All that was basically this gigantic band of <laughs> basic, basically the most insane musicians on earth. at this time, getting together and playing. Yeah. And then the, you know, the results of those jam sessions would be edited by Teo Macero. Yeah. Okay. And yeah. so this, this is cut kind of like the, the uncut, you know, triple X version. <laughs> nice. All right. Some of the actors in this movie. Oh God. I mean, it like, it's insane. Like, Ernie Malpin I mean, on bass clarinet. He's, so, he's I mean, yeah, also so, known I mean, for his work with Herbie Hancock. So Benny, yeah. So yeah, my 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 God. And if you have any interest in sort of the esoteric cosmic reaches of jazz, and you don't know his solo album "Jewel in the Lotus," get it now. Easily available. It's on ECM. Um, but also like Don Elias. Jack DeJanette. Yep. Yeah. Um, Prolific uh, session. Drummer, yeah. on this. Uh, Billy Hart. I, McLaughlin's on it. Um, I mean, it's, it, it's insane. It's funny because really you know, it's, just, it's just pure madness. Like the, it is. the lineup on this album. It is, uh, uh, you know, and it's an intense album. The, um, it's the, very, in- yes. 
What, whatever you think about it, like this is just pure fucking genius. No, it's fantastic. Let's. Uh, it is it's just yeah. Let's so, give an, let's give an ear to what we've been let's talking do, about. Let's, let's do it, man. One and one. That one does what a lot of fusion does for me, which is just be completely hypnotic, just pulls you well, in. And it's uh, it's a bit trance inducing, quite honestly. It is. And, you know, this was completely vilified when it was released, but it anticipates all of the sort of repetitive music that would follow it. Techno, hip hop dub all the things that would sort of mutate and end up defining the decades later yeah you know like at the time people thought it was just formless noise but it was really visionary music sure yeah well i think bitches brew was kind of taken the same way right it was, I, I remember 
the first time I heard Bitches Brew, thinking, wow, the future came 30 years earlier. <laughs> right. You right. know, like I, I yeah. thought I knew the future. Yeah. But no one's caught up with this yet. Right. No, I mean, and, and Bitches Brew for the time it came out, it's, you know, and that was a revolutionary time in music, no matter what genre you're talking Ab- about. Absolutely. But yet, yet it, it still is miles a, a, a beyond that stuff. I'm not going to say better than I'm going to say beyond it. I'm just going to say, yeah, it, yeah, it, yeah, yeah. It just is apart from it. And, it, and as you say, kind of hard to touch still for a lot for most people. It's just it, it, it exists in its own beautiful vacuum for sure. Thanks for bringing that one to the table. We're going to get into something by Frank Zappa. That was something I wanted to get to in the original uh, episode five of Radical Research that we didn't get to. This is a, a song called Eat That Question from 1972's The Grand Wazoo. Zeppa is a, for me, kind of a frustrating presence. I wish he would just do that. <laughs> well, I, the good but, thing, but I'm, you yeah, know, but it, yeah. it, it's his, you know, it's, you know, his subversive humor and his impishness that gets in the way of that, but that also makes him charming. Well, you that's know, what I, he does. A, and yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you have if you want him to just do that, I mean, for one, you could do worse than the Grand Wazoo from the 72. That's that's really sure. one one of the most fusion friendly records through his huge catalog. If that's what you want Zappa to do, you do have probably six, seven, eight records uh, that you could probably take out of there and and be just fine with. You know what I mean? You know, but it, but it's his vexations that make him 
such an interesting artist. Of course. Yeah, so, no, of, of course. And, you know, he, he's a finishing school for like all these incredible, incredible right. uh, uh, artists, you know, just like we were oh talking about with with Miles on this album. Not necessarily that um, song, because on the album, the credits are a little vague. Uh, it just lists the people that play on the album, not necessarily the songs. But, you know, he's got George Duke on keyboards on it. He's got Ainsley Dunbar on drums. Uh, no slouch there so many other people this is technically a mother's record but for me all the mother stuff is just it's frank you know and and whoever he wants to play with quite honestly it's you know yeah, it's basically yeah like you know maybe we should do an episode on um sort of these incubation bands sure oh yeah i mean well wasn't napalm death one of those sure <laughs> in, a, in a in a different world i mean sure. like yeah you know, let's not like, let's not give it away this ain't prom night jeff <laughs> all right don't, don't lift your skirt up just yet <laughs> right you this know, is just the, wait for it this is just sadie right? hawkins dance yeah, yeah. All, right. all right come on now <laughs> we, we can do a little little tongue kissing but like you know <laughs> i give it all away well, you know, it's funny because um, before we play the final song, the Mingo Lewis track, I was going to actually mention to everyone what our next episodes are going to be. So it might be a while before we get to that because Hunter and I really want to get back to Norway with uh, the next episode. And in fact, we decided to uh, have the next handful of episodes be primarily, uh, well, strictly Norwegian in focus. Yep. Um, we're not going to tell you what any of those are. We're just going to have you tune in as they used to say when the radio dial days and, um, and find out but, uh, we do know what the next one's going to be. And the next four will be decided or, and then we'll get back to, you know, spitballing all, all over the globe. But um, yeah, Norway is where we belong now. Before we go, we'd like to remind you to visit radicalresearch.org for all past episodes and buy items from our store to support our efforts if you don't need any swag, you can simply send a donation to this PayPal ID, radicalresearchpodcast at gmail.com. Finally, we want to thank some of our listeners we've been in contact with recently that we just kind of failed to mention. Andrew Sather, uh, Mashrock Hook, I hope I'm saying that right, William Thomas, Brett Yaw, Michael Demers, Scott Alex Cherry, Chrisinda Lee Everett, and Steve Klingenberg. Klingen, sorry. Sorry, Steve. Steve Klingenberg. I believe that guy's in Canada. So uh, he, he's, he's instantly a favorite of ours since he's a Canadian. Thank you. And thank you. And thank you. Hunter, this has been great. Hey, can I, can I introduce your, your possible new nickname? One of the candidates? Sure. Is it Hardy Har Hat? <laughs> or I think so. Yeah. <laughs> Do you remember that? You sent me that text last week and you meant to say Hardy Har Har, I think is what it was. Correct Hardy me, Har Hunter. Hat. And yeah, but there was a type, there was a, a miss mistype and it was Hardy Har hat. So I yeah. thought, I thought I'd make you a hat that said I mean, Hardy, so, Hardy Har on it. You know, I've already got the radish hat. So, <laughs> right. right. We, you know, halfway there. Get you a biscuit hat, get you a Hardy Har hat. Or as Chum would say, halfway home. You and the Chum references, man. I, I don't even get the Chum references. I just know that you like that band. Um, I do. I love that. You, Borovoy Cregan. I think Eula Garrett and maybe yeah, three, no, Eula three other people. Chum. Yeah. Yep. Nope. Yeah. That's, you and Chum. that's us. Do you want to do a Chum episode once? I would love to do that. Well, you can do it solo. Wait, wait. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll do a, um, like the, you know, the fails of century media. We'll do like 454 big block. Oh my God. No, Monkey we won't. Brewster <laughs> no, and, we won't. Uh, Chum. Oh my God.
uh lemming <laughs> lemming project i guess that's that's, that's not terrible god, god is lsd god is lsd wow well let's let's wrap this up yeah let's wrap this up we're gonna <laughs> leave you with another scathing passage from mingo lewis's flight never ending album this is heart song be well freaks <laughs>